Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio, for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys that are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's episode 98 for May 23rd, 2012. On today's show, we're talking about the best multitasking tools and, and how one might actually go about downsizing their shop, God forbid. Uh, mm. we, we also have a special <laughs> guest with us, Asa Christiana from Fine Woodworking, is co-hosting with us tonight. And actually, Shannon couldn't make it. He's under the weather, so let's, uh, let's hope Shannon gets well soon. But we do have someone, an esteemed uh, person in the woodworking community, to take his place. But before we get to that and do the introductions, Matt, how about you let them know how they can get in touch with us? Absolutely. You know, guys, by now this should be old hat, but if you're like me, you're probably like, what did he say? I can't remember any of this stuff. Is there a quiz after this? So we're going to go ahead and jump right into that. As always, there's a few different ways you can get a hold of us. If you ever have a comment, a question, or a suggestion about something that you've heard in today's show, or maybe something you'd like to hear on an upcoming episode, you can always email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. You can call and leave us a voicemail at 623 242 5180. And don't forget that you can Skype us over at Wood Talk Online. And you can also check out our individual sites at madsbasementworkshop.com, which is probably the better of the three of them, uh, thewoodwhisperer.com <laughs> and renaissancewoodworker.com. And of course, for our special guest tonight, we also have uh, Fine Woodworking. Asa, what is it? Is it sh- uh, Shop Talk? live.com uh, or I know you guys have a couple of the different ones. Uh, yeah, we've got all kinds of ones, uh, but finewoodworking.com uh, is the main one. And then for the event that we're having this August, it's finewoodworkinglive.com. And then for our site for, uh, Oh, by the way, uh, if you want to find shop talk live, which is our podcast, the one where I stuck my foot in my mouth <laughs> and, uh, and hear more scintillating repartee like that, then um, that's, you can find that on iTunes by just uh, going to Shop Talk Live. You can find that. And then also we have a site for beginners I'll talk about real briefly uh, called startwoodworking.com. Excellent. Sweet. 
And of course, as always, you can find all this information in our show notes, and you can look for us over at the forum at woodtalkonline.com, where you'll find one or all of us kind of lurking around and waiting to surprise you when you least expect it. Awesome. All right. Well, before we get into the show proper, I would like to introduce the man you've already heard his voice there. That's Asa Christiana, who is not only a well-respected woodworking journalist, but apparently has a gift for oratory as well, from what I hear. Uh, Welcome to the show, Asa. Yeah, I have a uh, silver tongue. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that is the rumor. Um, so if if everyone can put up with my nasally drone the whole time, that would be great. But I love your British announcer. Isn't it weird? That is the coolest, Mark. Isn't it weird how um, when anyone British says something, it sounds so much smarter? Yeah, yeah. It's so weird. It's like when we we might say, "What the hell is that?" But when they when, but they could say the same words like, "What the hell is that?" Yeah. And it would sound so great. It's so it, true. Yeah. When I when I used to work in biotech, we had one woman in particular who was she was very smart. But whenever we had presentations to like out outside folks outside of the company, we always had her do it because she just sounded smarter than everybody else. <laughs> we've got one. We've got one Brit on our staff, and I mostly keep him. Mark Schofield. I mostly keep him around just for that. <laughs> <laughs> they do come in handy. Uh, well, you know, for those that aren't aware, if you're, uh, you know, you don't necessarily troll around uh, the social media sites online, um, there was a bit of a little fiasco, uh, what was it, almost two weeks ago now, um, where some comments were made by Asa on their new podcast, the Shop Talk Live podcast that you just heard him mention. Um, so we wanted to give Asa a couple minutes to come on the show to clear the air a little bit, but I really don't want that to be the focus of the entire show. That's not really what we do here. We talk about woodworking, and that is the you know the the thing that bridges the gap between all of us. Whether you're with you know a traditional outfit like a magazine, or you're one of these you know wild guns like uh, Matt and I who just go out there and <laughs> just do our thing and, and don't really worry what other people think about it. Um, so Asa, if you uh, if you want to, feel free to just clear the air. If you, I know you've um, you've done a little apology post on this, and I don't necessarily want this to be apologetic, but maybe just explain your your viewpoint. My first viewpoint is sadness because um, of our mistake with the title more than anything. We, it was an innocent, you know, mistake, but it was a really uh, blind one. I mean, a really dumb one. Innocent can still be dumb. And uh, so later on in the show, I hope everyone knows by now that later on in the show, when we were talking about our own mistakes, this segment we call Smooth Moves, um, we talked about how you tend to compound errors by trying to uh, not give up on a, some damage and you just make it worse and worse and worse. And in the end, you realize you should have quit while you're behind. Mm-hmm. And so we caught and so I piped up with it's a perfect storm of stupidity. <laughs> well, we I didn't realize at the time I've learned a lot in the last two weeks, but I didn't realize at the time that my comments at the top of the show were going to be so controversial as they were. I now understand exactly why they were. But um, so we stuck that title on the front, not understanding that people, most people would, you know, simply hear the message, uh, perfect storm of stupidity, comments at the top of the show are about uh, my comments about expertise in the blogosphere. And they just said, fine woodworking called the whole blogosphere and YouTube and everyone else who's not at an institutional woodworking place stupid. Mm. And that is just really, really sad for me personally, uh, because, 
you know, aside from, you know, I make my living, it's true at fine woodworking, but I'm the kind of person that my job has to have meaning. And the meaning for me is how deeply I believe in woodworking and how much I think it helps people, you know, so therapeutic and it's such a fundamental human impulse to create and to have someone give you the tools to be able to create is such an amazing thing. And we've supported woodworkers at all levels, you know, speaking of that, like uh, startwoodworking.com, that site with the three part video series we've done and all the Q&A on there and everything that that was all done for free, mostly by us on like nights and weekends, and it doesn't pay the bills. It's just us trying to support the community. And, you know, all the shows I go to and the people I meet and the little kids I blog about who are getting into woodworking and all of that um, is such a part of how I make meaning in my life. And to think that I made so many, I hurt so many people, uh, just starting with that title is pretty, was pretty devastating. And then, and then, that's one issue, you know, and then, <laughs> right, right. then the comments themselves, a lot of people, you know, did actually listen to the comments and understood the title was a mistake, but we're still really pissed off by the comments. And I understand why. So if you can give me two more minutes, I can talk about kind of where I was coming from, but yeah, go what, for it. What I've learned. So I was applying an in-house fine woodworking perspective to something that's nothing like the in-house reality of fine woodworking. And that's, I didn't, it's been a great two weeks in a way for me, as painful as it is, because I understand now um, that the online community is not about always having the perfect answer or the, the, you know, the Phil Lowe's of the world or Michael Fortune or people who have 40 years in the business or, or just giving the, you know, the perfect right answer. It's not about that. It's about, supporting people and it's about a community and it's about mark people like you being there for people every night to support them and answer their questions and make them feel like less intimidated by the craft and um and all the function you serve is fantastic it's uh people like you and and the mwa guys and and uh, people who are online a lot just saying, hey, I made these mistakes. Yeah, maybe I should have headed them off at the past, but here I am. And look, I found a cool way to work my way out, you know, all that sort of thing. You know, so I was applying, you know, in-house, we are paid to provide the best woodworking advice out there. And and uh, we charge a lot for that. And we're there's a lot of pressure to de- to deliver and live up to the long legacy of articles and experts that we've had a real high standard to uphold. Um, so, you know, that's, I was sort of like applying that filter and, and not realizing that that's not really exactly what the online woodworking community is about. The other thing I was blind about is, uh, is that we're really lucky at fine woodworking. We don't feel stranded out there and, and, woodworking is our day job and we get to hang out with all these incredible woodworkers and talk woodworking all day long. And I, and it's easy to forget all the people who don't do woodworking as their day job and how much, what a godsend it is to have you guys, um, you know, uh, to make them feel like a community. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, so it, it, it was all those different things led to me being a little bit blind about the value of the online community. And, uh, you know, I wish I could take the, 
the comments back. You know, the little kernel of truth in there is I just, if I could, if I had it to say over again, I would say to everyone in the online woodworking community, I would have, it would have been 90% thank you <laughs> and 10% um, um, let's remember to respect the real fathers of the craft and the people who have put a lifetime into this and, you know, that, that sort of thing. But yeah you know, that, that was maybe the tiny kernel of truth in there, but yeah, it was really wrongheaded. And what I've, if you read my blog apology, I'm trying to take the gift out of the mis middle of this adversity. And the gift for me is that I now understand how critical it is for me to engage this amazing community and this, the great, you guys are kind of a tool for furthering the craft and we need to all work together and bust down these divisions and, push this craft forward. And uh, that's glaringly obvious how valuable you guys are. And the challenge is to find woodworking is to find new and better ways to bust down the divisions and work together. Um, you know, the craft numbers wise is not growing. So how do we meet that challenge altogether? Right, right. Well, the interesting thing about this community and, you know, folks like Matt and I and the guys from MWA, these are these are folks who have been just doing this as a hobby and you get into it because you're you're sort of aware of it. And next thing you know, you'll find yourself uh, deeply involved in it. And even us, like during this process, I think a lot of us did some soul searching about what this community is. Why did we respond this way? And and what do like what is the role that we have to play in this bigger picture of woodworking? And and the cool thing, in my opinion, is that we all have a role to play. I don't think anything we do necessarily threatens fine woodworking's position. It only bolsters it because, of course, I don't think anybody is going to debate the quality level, the knowledge level uh, that fine woodworking and taught and overall brings to the woodworking world. Um, none none of us are trying to be that on any level. Um, right. you know, I, but what we do is we bring people in who may not have otherwise found Taunton, you know, maybe we get them interested into the, in the craft and they go, Hey, well, let me look at some resource books. I'm going to go to, you know, Barnes and Noble and they see a couple of Taunton books or they ask us what magazines we subscribe to when we say pop woodworking, fine woodworking, you know, uh, we, we, you know, rattle off the, the top, you know, five or six books. Um, so, so I, I think frankly, we all have a very important role to play in this ecosystem. And I think, you know, working together is, is really the way to do that. So I wanted to, to thank you for coming on the show. Um, just because I think that's, that's a huge part of it. It's not even so much you guys, uh, providing resources that are catered toward the online community so much as just being a part of the online community yourselves. Totally. And you, you, that was really well said. And, um, I agree with every single thing you just said. I can't echo it. Uh, anymore. Awesome. Well, that's great. Matt, do you have anything to add before we move on? No, not really. I think the what has been said all around is exactly what needed to be said. And if anything, uh, one thing that we've always done with the online community is we have always encouraged people to come into it. And we, Mark and I have helped set up numerous people answer their questions with getting stuff online. So again, that, that feeds into that whole community. And I think, unfortunately for you, so one thing that you did hit is or you uh, kind of hit a wall with this is, or the wall hit you, I guess would be the best way to say it <laughs> is unfortunately. Still got the bruises. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it'll, it'll show up a little bit. There's, there's still some people that are, are kind of like getting caught up and they'll be like, Whoa, wait a minute. Did you know? And then they'll see the whole thing. And then they'll be, that's when they'll feel like they need to jump in. And unfortunately that is one downside of the online community is it really is easy for everybody to get their opinion in. So it's, it's really easy for a ton of people to gang up all at once and, 
come in much later on after the whole thing is, you know, you've licked your bruises and it's all done. I, I emailed you at one point. I said, you know, Mark and I had this instance really early on when we first started and uh, it was the saw stop incident. And that one came back to haunt us for a long Wait, time. Wait, which one? I, th- I seem to have many saw stop incidents. <laughs> yeah, it it, it, it's like this say. ongoing thing where you're like, please, I already addressed this. We are done with it. So yeah. it's kind of nice to hopefully let this be the last time that, you know, this this has to be addressed and everything and just move on and be a happy giant community that we are. And as you said, you know, really just feeding off of each other and, and everything else. I mean, the two of you really put it into words that I could only reiterate, which I'm not going to reiterate right now. <laughs> That's good. So, so um, did uh, you mentioned a couple people have mentioned, you know, the guys from Modern Woodworkers also said that it made people on both sides examine themselves. And so was there anything you guys were able to take away from it um, positive or, or that you learned about yourselves or, you know, I mean, what, what did, what do you guys take away from it? I think, you know, this is something that we've known about the community for a while. And I think Vic might have mentioned on Tom's blog post in the comments that your timing on this was just really unfortunate. Um, Because in the last uh, year, we've had a number of um, just someone might come on a blog. I don't even remember whose blog it was. And then they trash Shannon, you know, for, for no reason. And all of his arguments are completely unsound. And it's just basically calling him, you know, like he's ripping people off, charging, charging for what he does. Um, again, another person failing to understand that you need to give people credit. They're not going to, you know, just blindly spend money on things and continue to spend money on things that aren't giving back to them. Um, so if Shannon was doing something so wrong, uh, he might not be able to survive doing what he's doing. Um, and I'm going to, this kind of is also a sore topic. I don't want to single someone out, but there's one person who, who really comes to mind as someone who in the community, uh, you know, maybe didn't quite do right by people. And that's Adam King. And there's right. been a lot of backlash on that. And Adam has been completely out of the woodworking uh, realm because he didn't do right by people and was giving information that some people questioned the value of what he was giving them. Um, so when someone does things like that, it becomes really, really obvious. But uh, to go back to what I was saying, that was one instance. There were just a couple things that came out where people who were well-respected in our community were hammered. It's not the people that, you know, the, the moron with the table saw kickstart thing, you know, that YouTube video. It's not those guys that we're, we're protecting. It's the people who are getting attacked who we don't think it's, it's justified. Um, the judgment has already been made on these people that, yes, these are trustworthy people and they're not going to steer you wrong. They may not have 40 years of experience in the industry, but they are trusted. Um, and I myself come under attack uh, fairly frequently. And sometimes we let that comment go and we say, all right, uh, you know, community, get them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's always once in a while when people come up and they'll make a, a just a horrible comment. One of the things they always say is like, oh, you're going to edit this out. Oh, really? Watch. And then so that's what happens when, when I goes. don't edit it out. Yeah. And then the, the worst part about that is then at some point you almost want to kind of tell people like, OK, enough, enough. It's out there. Yeah. I think the person gets the idea by now. But unfortunately, there really is kind of this you're messing with our friends and everything else. And everybody wants to kind of jump in there and get their kick at it. But, yeah. you know, and that's if anything, that's the one downside of the online community that I see. But not just woodworking. I mean, you see it all over the place. Well, it's a lot so, worse in other places. That, I mean, we're lucky to have a situation like we have. We're having a conversation about this right now with the person who was responsible for it because he's willing to talk to us and you know we're willing to sort of meet in the middle and have a discussion about this that usually does not happen in the online community so i think we need to celebrate 
the fact that we're able to do this and yeah. other online communities aren't. But, um, you know, well, you've, been, you've been very civil and uh, professional about it. Mark and uh, you. Well, you I know. still want a career in this industry when this is over. So, <laughs> yeah. but I, I, aside from that, though, I think you're, you're the, you know, the internet. I was saying to someone a comment to Vic Hubbard. I think that internet, the internet is like booze. You know, it's like when people get a too much hooch inside their <laughs> belly, um, they either are, the, uh, you know, they're, you know, it brings out the best in them or brings out the worst in them. And yeah. I think both of those things happen. Um, online, it's a little bit like road rage. There's an anonymity. Exactly. There's people not using their own names, and uh, and in a way, for me, it's it, you know, wow, 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 poor me. But it's a it's a tough fight because I have to remain professional at all times. Just you know, no matter how mean spirited and nasty and personal and whatever, you know, as a human being, that is <laughs> that does. It, it stinks. is like playing in a sandbox where there's a lot of cat poop. You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, well, maybe I, you want to play in this sandbox. If, you know, <laughs> I keep hitting turds. Right, right. No, I, and that's and frankly, that's one of the things that I've I've taken from this is seeing your perspective uh, and how difficult it must be a, as an editor for a magazine um, where you have your own interests to protect. Of course, you have to remain professional, but you guys have to play just because any business that doesn't play in these waters is going to, you know, that will be to their own detriment. Um, you guys have to figure out how do you navigate these waters in a way that is effective, isn't a waste of time, makes you guys look good. But really what this is all about is is the, the individuals themselves getting out there, doing things and saying things. And unfortunately, that's exactly what you did. I mean, unfortunately, you said you said something that people didn't agree with. They didn't like. Um, but that's the risk that you run. Yet that's also the thing you have to do. Uh, I know. To, it's like have a podcast, but, you know, be careful. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, you know, part yeah. of it, you know, let, let's not get away from my own ignorance on this thing. And that, I think, is the main message is that I was caught up in my own internal fine woodworking perspective. And this has been a learning experience for me. And I'm grateful. I'm ultimately grateful for it. Yet, to be honest, not a lot changes in the woodworking world. And I kind of have my job, you know, I've repeated the same sort of uh, thing over and over again. So I've been feeling in a strange, weird, twisted way, kind of. Uh, happy that um, I actually learned something really huge and it's exciting <laughs> as an editor of a big magazine that, wow, now I understand the community a little better and now I can engage with them a little bit better. And the magazine, you know, the, our website, our staff, it's going to filter down through. And, uh, and I understand now, you know, why it's important that I get on Twitter and et cetera. So it's, it's ultimately been a good thing. That's good. Let, let me say this one thing. Uh, you you, you kind of hit on one thing that I, and I don't know if people really realize this. It, it, it's about the perspective. You're obviously you've stated, you know, Fine Woodworking Magazine uh, has you know the, the experts, and I'm going to use the one word that it seems to make everybody cringe, but you vet that the is. experts, and and that is something that you have to do for for the magazine to keep it at the level that it is. Let's get serious. It's Fine Woodworking Magazine. It. I still remember the day standing in front of the the book stand, going, mm, I think I might be ready to at least look through it you know that kind of a thing as a as a hobbyist kind of woodworker like getting to that point where i was, I was going to look through it because i knew it was going to give me a, a certain level of information a certain level of detail in the projects and, and and techniques and everything and the perspective that you have is maintaining that level of professionalism of Absolutely. expertise it's an incredible right. 
pressure, incredible pressure. It, you know, again, wah, 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 poor me. Well, no, no, you shouldn't be wah, wah. It's true. You you need to do that because if you don't, then suddenly Fine Woodworking Magazine is going to be, uh, it was once fine, that woodworking magazine, <laughs> where, as we kind of we talked at the beginning, you know, we're, we're, letter every single uh, week. We get, the, we get these two letters every week. Like, you elitist jerks, you got your nose in the air, and we get... I wrote you, that, sorry. You, yes, yeah, sorry. You, uh, you, uh, you, you callow, sort of business-minded guys, you've dumbed it down for the masses. We get right. those two letters every single time. So that tells me that we're right in the sweet spot. Exactly. You're, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Yeah. But in this situation, again, the perspective is the online woodworking community is very much used to, for the lack of a better term, cowboys like us podcasters coming in here and doing something just a little bit different. I mean, it's the same thing as like uh, music from artists, how they're able to release their music on online for free or start building up their own uh, uh, followings. But yet a traditional label wouldn't pick them up. Uh, you know, the label has a specific thing that they're looking for. This is what works. This has always worked. It's continuing to work. And that's kind of the thing, the perspective again, with you being at the level or the, well, as an editor of a magazine, uh, you have to maintain that specific level, and we have our specific level that's all over the place. And I think the online woodworking community was so used to what we're doing that when they hear this at first, it's almost like one of those, oh, this established thing, this established person's coming in, they're saying this, when in fact, it, if you kind of step back and take a look at it, you know, it's like, well, no, not not really. <laughs> you know, you're, you're taking it the wrong way. And like I said, I was guilty of that. I mean, I, I listened to that first couple of minutes at least six or seven times. Yeah. And then I had to come back the next day and listen to it. And I did hear that part where the uh, perfect storm of stupidity much later on in the uh, the episode. I'm like, oh, that's where the title came from. <laughs> I know. That's so, that's that, you know, that was I, pretty I, unfortunate. I, yeah. I, I When I saw that, uh, I think Tom was kind of the first one to point that out as, as part of the problem. And I was like, oh. Oh, you know, should I tell him that that's not really what that was in reference to? Because yeah. here, here's the thing. I know you may say something that, you know, I actually heard that. And we I think Matt Shannon and I passed an email around that said, hey, did you guys did you guys hear this? And we just decided not to bring any attention to it. And obviously other people were were much more deeply offended by it. Uh, and that's how everything started to to snowball. But um, I I know you guys to some extent, you know, and I've actually been down there to visit with you. I don't yeah. think you would necessarily ever call anyone because of that professionalism. Call anyone stupid at any it's given so time. Sad. It's so sad. Yeah. I mean, it's really deeply devastating, gut wrenching right. that people. That's what people thought. And you know, the perfect storm of stupidity was that fine woodworking. How could we not put two and two together? And realize, I mean, it's uh, so, so, so sad. But um, to give you, uh, you know, just a, a, one thing I didn't talk about with the modern woodworking guys is um, how, the, the, just to explain the fine woodworking thing a little bit more, um, the way I think of it anyway, for those who sort of want to know the inside of the business game and how fine woodworking stands against all the other magazines and where we fit in and, you know, um, the way it works for us is um, we deliver a super high quality of illustrations, experts, authority. Um, uh, you know, basically we have, because we charge, because we charge for uh, the value that we provide, we're able to have the resources to go out. Like when we're going to do marketry, 
I, we know every leading marketry person in North America, from Silas Koff to Pat Edwards in San Diego to Paul Schirsch in, in Santa Barbara to whoever. I know where they learned. I know the legacy of what's been in the magazine for 35 years. And what's our next article on marketry going to be? The last one was with Paul Schirsch because considering all things, um, we went to him. So uh, he is a guy with an incredible amount of dues that he's paid, mm -hmm. you know, and so, and that's what we provide. So um, we, there's a lot of pressure, you know, like I said before, in-house to, um, to, uh, to, to, to be the standard bearer for the craft. And um, that's kind of, you know, where I, you know, that's our game, you know what I mean? That's what we, we charge a lot. We charge basically twice as much as, um, as uh, as any other magazine, when you look at all those fourteen ninety nine discounts and everything else, and online, um, we have fifty thousand members who are paying members and two hundred thousand people who get the magazine, and uh, so we charge twice as much. Yet we have as much or more subscribers as as most other magazines, other than Wood. And online, there's no one even close to us because of that legacy of articles you get and a thousand woodworking videos and all that stuff. So that's where we're sort of coming from is like, keep the bar high, keep the bar high. Cause we, we darn well better deliver the best answer on most topics, you know? So that's kind of the in-house uh, perspective, but it was so dopey of me to try to apply that to, uh, so, you know, what I else, you know, to try to apply that to the online woodworking community, but, you know, we're, so we're not thinking that our hoop doesn't stink. I just want people to understand that, that we're just in a business model where we feel like we have to, we must deliver unrivaled information in order to be able to keep our business model, you know, intact. And that's how it is on the, the, uh, on the inside. Um, oh, the other thing that I pointed out to the modern woodworkers guys, maybe off the record, but I can say it on the record is that we're not, the editors are not self-promotional by nature. That's probably why you haven't seen us online and tweeting and, you know, our, the whole fine woodworking thing has always been, you're not going to get a magazine written by the same five people. We're going to go out and, and go to the shops of whoever has the best answer on any given topic and that's what we bring to you. We had 100 people in the magazine last year. So we always want to promote them, not ourselves. So we tend not to be like some of the magazine editors out there who are chatting online a lot and building their own brand um, because we're, we came up through this business trying to shine the light on the best, on people on the outside, you know, mm -hmm. not on the inside. And so that's, you know, um, that's been another thing that I'm not sure if everyone really understands. We're not, people often say, what are you afraid of? Why do you guys, you know, stay, uh, uh, it, you know, don't engage very much. We're not afraid of anything. You guys have hung out with us and met us. We're just normal, regular guys. But our whole perspective is shining the light on, on uh, outside people, not so much on ourselves. That's another part of the whole equation for anyone who wants to know more about where we're at.
And and frankly, I think that's that's awesome. I think it's it's important to have different resources that that do things in different ways like that because you guys, I love the fact that you provide the content in the way that you do and I love the fact that it's yep. different from one of my other favorite magazines, which is Pop Woodworking. I enjoy the way that they present the information as well, but uh I wouldn't necessarily say that any one is more valuable than the other. I enjoy both and Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I also enjoy going to my fellow bloggers and podcasters and talking to them about the stuff that we read in those magazines. I mean, half of the time, you know, a lot of my emails, and Matt, I'm sure you get this too, we get asked questions about things that people saw in your magazine because you know, we're just more easily accessible. So let me bounce an idea off of Mark or bounce an idea and nothing is ever, Mark, can you tell me the better way to do this? It's, it's not like that. It's like, can you tell me perhaps why they did this or why we shouldn't do something else? Um, yeah. So it's really just expanding the conversation that you guys started that you might not necessarily be able to, to field those questions directly. Absolutely. And, and that's Absolutely. why I see it as yeah. an ecosystem awesome. that works. So yeah. yeah. yeah if, if I can say anything, I definitely don't change it. Uh, the magazine is, is fantastic. I, I love the way it is. And I, I echo what you're saying, Mark, also. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I'm wondering, guys, are we ready to move on to a little bit more and pull Let's you in? Uh, Asa is our guest uh, co-host and maybe answer some questions and share some good stuff going on here. Let's do it. Let's get off this uh, this past topic. That's in the past. We're moving forward. That is, Absolutely. Yes. Let's make a. This is a brand new start. Nobody else is allowed to talk about this ever again. Starting right now. Well, start. except if you're listening to this later on in the future and you want to say something, too bad it's done and over with. Awesome. I, I actually asked Nicole if, if uh, she thought that Asa would be offended if I referred to this as the Oprah episode. <laughs> yeah, like when the celebrity does something wrong, they have to go on Oprah to. Uh, <laughs> He's like, yes. I don't know. Maybe he so would be. Asa on the couch. <laughs> don't get on. A huge giveaway. Like, look under your seat right now, folks. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. All right. Well, um, we usually do the What's on a Bench segment, but we ran a little long with that beginning thing. So we're going to jump right into Around the Web, where we just collect a couple of links. And the first thing I want to point out is the Highland Woodworker episode two. We uh, gave glowing reviews of that episode, uh, episode one, a couple months ago. So this is the second installment. So just go to highlandwoodworker.com and check that out. This is another great episode. I'm, I'm definitely enjoying the ride with those guys. And to be quite honest with you, that was what I was going to have up there. Uh, unfortunately, I've been doing all my daughter's homework this week, so I haven't had a chance to uh, get on the web as much as I really want to. Uh, Asa, do you have anything that you want to talk about around the web? Well, um, and feel free to, to pimp your own stuff because we'll put the links. Know, in the show I mean, notes. that's the stuff I'm, I've got my head into every single day. So right. the one thing I wanted to tell everyone about is don't miss out on startwoodworking.com in our getting started in woodworking video series that lives there. Um, it's great. And I think 
by and large, our customers have been people who are not brand new to the craft, but people who just have sort of some gaps in their knowledge or, 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 uh, you know, or need, you know, sort of feel intimidated by certain aspects of the craft. Um, so I just want to point people in that, uh, that direction. Plus there's still a few spots left at fine woodworking live, um, this summer, this August two to five. So, uh, check out that site as well. Fantastic. Sweet. Also, and just of, as a reminder, everybody, the uh, Start Woodworking, of course, that newsletter is totally free. Uh, I actually subscribe to it because it's free. And uh, when it shows up, there's always at least one good little tidbit in there that I end up uh, dropping into my Evernote box and saying, I'm coming back to that much <laughs> later on. Yeah, nice. you can subscribe to the newsletter that comes with it. But there's a whole site there waiting for you to check out. And uh, we made um, a really easy to make uh, workbench um in a way, it's my chance to introduce people to the craft. I see a lot of one of the things that I that I kind of uh, don't always agree with is when people feel like to enter this craft, they have to make their own hand tools. They have to make the Rubo workbench. That's the sort of like the gateway to entering the craft. I mean, if you if if you do that. You'll never build your first. It'll take you five years to build your first piece of furniture. <laughs> yes. So, so I put on that site a, a workbench made out of Doug fur with an MDF top and a simple front vise. You know, Phil Lowe makes uh, has worked on million dollar antiques for Sotheby's, and he works on a simple uh, bench with a single front vise on it. Um, so that's you know just I wanted to just get that little uh, thing in there that. Um, you know, uh, just not to feel like you have to be precious about the craft, you know, that, um, and, and one other thing is that that's another thing about the fine. That's what I meant to say earlier about the fine woodworking culture. We found out that for us with what we charge, that people want the whole magazine to be about building. They don't want it to be so much about history or personalities or stuff like that, that in order to charge what we charge, they want everything to be practical so they can take it out to their shop and whatever. So that's another thing about um, our perspective I just wanted to sort of uh, throw out there. And so that's why, for example, when we do hand tools, um, we don't do hand tools for the sake of doing hand tools. Hand tools are very often the best tool for the job, and that's how we approach hand tools. We treat them equally with Power tools, generally speaking. Anyway, I don't know why I went off on that. <laughs> so it's just a reminder that yet it's it, it's another another great resource to turn to uh, with all the other ones out there. Sure, sure. Sweet. Speaking right. of another resource, I, I did throw one in here la uh, last minute. Since we have talked about Modern Woodworkers Association, they do have a, a fairly new podcast that you should check out. It's at modernwoodworkersassociation.com. And you can hear a number of, uh, I think they're up to what, like episode Seven, seven six like or seven, that. six or seven, like um, and they also had Asa on last week to talk uh, about this issue as well. So go check those guys out; they're all good dudes. Tom, uh, Tom Ivino, in fact, from Tom's Tips. Who's you know what? I think he's been slacking off of Tom's Tips because he's working over uh, with the Modern Woodworkers Association. I was going to say, you know, I, I, I that? noticed that too. That's that's not cool, Tom. Tom, you jerk. All right, jeez. Okay, so we're going to move on into our primary topic, and uh, this this is something that's heavy on my mind just because, believe it or not, I'm moving my workshop again for, I think, now the third time in five years. Wow, oh, are you still in Arizona? 
Yeah, I'm still in Arizona, and there's been just some, you know, real estate issues <laughs> that have caused me to move back and forth uh, between two locations. And now this should, hopefully, if we're able to build the shop on the property, will be the last move. Um, did you get Did you get uh, busted for your marijuana farm again? Uh, once again, yes. Unfortunately, they just seem to coppers. the it's H the HOA just doesn't really like that. Um, you said it was oregano. <laughs> well, hey, I'm Italian. I grow my own <laughs> oregano. Uh, so I am actually going to be moving. But one of the things that's on my mind is if, let's say, the HOA doesn't approve of the building I want to build and I'm forced to go back into my garage, I really have to start thinking about, instead of like shoehorning all of my um, uh, current tools into this smaller space, what can I do to really just downsize a little bit? And I think a lot of folks may not be downsizing, but they may have the same issue of how to get more done in a smaller footprint. And that doesn't necessarily mean converting to all hand tools. It could mean using power tools that are good multitaskers. So I thought we would just kind of throw, um, you know, spitball some ideas on things that maybe worked for us. Uh, Asa, you with the magazine, you guys review all these uh, fantastic tools all the time. Maybe you have some perspective on specialty oh, totally. tools. We've done it. We've done, you know, a, we've done a kind of a buttload of articles on every topic, but definitely a lot on this uh, topic for sure. The the you know, there's so many things you can do to conserve space. And that is an awesome topic, Mark. And it's one that, um, man, you could go, most people are strapped for space. And so some of the first things that come to mind are putting your router table into the, uh, into your support table on your table saw, the, the, the extension table oh, okay. and, and using the rip fence to kind of do double duty. Um, you can do an add on on your rip fence that really houses a little dust port for your router table. Um, and a, it's sort of like you can strap a special fence on the backside of your rip fence. That's a great way. Another one is to take your workbench and put it at such a height that it acts as the outfeed table for your table saw. Yeah. Um, uh, another uh, one that uh, comes to mind is mobile bases are awesome. Um, there's uh, oh the other thing is you know if you're if you make little rolling stands for your tools that can house a ton of. Uh, storage those can be full of drawers but those are just a couple sure matt how about you yeah the, the number one for me of course is, is the roller stands but as we were kind of getting into it a little bit finding the tools that are most specifically that you can use for multiple things i mean obviously we all dream of having a shop where you have one uh, a tool that does one specific thing really really well but the fact is sometimes you know you will have to kind of uh, sacrifice a little bit and make a tool more of a multi-tool thing. I mean, when I think of like some of the things that we do, I if I had to really strip the basement workshop down, maybe go back to what was the size of my original shop, you know, I'm, I'm looking at probably the tools that I would take with me out of what I have right now are most likely my router table, uh, my table saw, and I could probably... I wouldn't be happy about it, but I think that that would be the the primary, the workhorses of of my workshop, and it's because I think those ones are so multitaskable. Is that a word? Multitaskable. It is now. It is it's now. Not a word at all, but we're going to let you slide. Okay, well, it, it, it's because we're cowboys, so we're going to just run yeah, with it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so, so have my in-house perspective to that comment. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a second uh, feed, which will have the proper English version, and we'll maybe we'll even have that. somebody come in with a proper English uh, accent and do it. Right. Um, but that's one of those. The fact that it can do the multitasking, and Asa, you're so spot on with the the. the uh, mobile bases. I mean, my shop would be so useless if everything wasn't on the mobile bases. Another thing, being in the basement workshop, I kind of have a little bit 
I won't say overhead space. Obviously, I don't. I have kind of a, a shorter ceiling, but I really try to take advantage of things up in the ceiling where I can have kind of things stored and then kind of like bring them down almost like attic ladders kind of style hmm. so that I, I can take advantage of that. In fact, um, that's one of the, the things in my shop redo that I'm going to do eventually, probably next year, even though I said I'd do it this year, <laughs> um, is trying to figure out where I can put the lumber so that it is. I, know. I, I don't want to put it so up high, but really, if I get it up off the floor, I just and have that much it. more. What's yeah, that? You don't want it someplace where it's going to be too moist. You don't want to put it up in a super hot under a roof where it's going to heat to 150 degrees every year. It's yeah, exactly. But I'm thinking if I get it just a little bit higher up, at least on one wall closer to the ceiling, that opens up all that space down below, you know, on the on the basement floor where I can then you know, store tools or something like that. So it, it's just amazing how, like, you suddenly start looking at all these little nooks and crannies before that were just, like, they were just there. And now you're suddenly like, I could totally fit in a custom-made Absolutely. shop piece here. Absolutely. But two two uh, two quick things that come to mind. One is... You're strapped for space. Don't become a lumber collector. Ah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people do that. They fall in wood. Wood is, you know, it's seductive. And when you come across, you know, things, you're like, I'll use that someday. But you, then all of a sudden you have 16, I'll use that someday slabs. And you're, you're sort of hoarding yourself out of house and home and shop. Um, you know, if, I think there's a lot to be said for just shopping for the wood you need for the project at hand, especially if you're space strapped and getting rid of the cutoffs and, you know, how many chisel handles are you really going to make with those cutoffs? <laughs> right. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and even along the lines of that, one thing I'm thinking is oftentimes it seems like a lot of home woodworkers tend to be more like tool collectors than actual users. So I'm sure there's plenty of times where just like the wood, you have those pieces that you somehow become attached to for the oddest reason in the world. There are tools that are the same way. You know, I, I, I have like two sets of chisels and out of those two sets of chisels, I probably only use like three or four at the absolute <laughs> most, right. you know, at any given time. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's like another one of those things where you could easily look at what you have and then say, this is a really cool one. But again, I don't ever use it that often, you know, is there someplace else I could put it? Yeah. You've got to dump the stuff, but I want to give a shout out to the bandsaw. Mm -hmm. Because if you want a tool that packs the most punch into a small footprint, you can't, I mean, you can rip rough lumber so much more safely on the bandsaw than you can uh, anywhere else, you know, cutting stuff down to size. And then if you get that thing tuned up, just to, you know, I'm the, the content I'm most aware of is the fine woodworking content, right? So um, I got to mention Michael Fortune's articles on the bandsaw. He'll show you how to take any 14-inch bandsaw, even the worst, you know, import from 20 years ago that just never worked right for you. He can, he'll show you how to take all of that. It's, there's really simple tips That'll get your bandsaw doing amazing work. You can rip on it. You can dimension lumber. You can obviously cut curves. You can resaw. Um, and it's a safer tool than the table saw. Um, and it can do things the table saw can't. So if I had to, if I really moved like to a tiny little place, like let's say in retirement, we needed to move into a little condo or something with a little basement, 
I might just go with a bandsaw and a bunch of hand tools. I mean, that's a super space-saving shot. Yeah, you could do quite a bit with that. Yeah. Um, I've got two things that I'm – these are actually things that I'm considering as being, you know, more of my primary tool set if I need to, to go into a smaller space. And that is like the joiner planer combo units. And totally. uh, you guys did a great article uh, review on this. Uh, Roland Johnson did a review of some of the, the higher end ones. Now the, the problem I have with these combo units is the the less expensive ones, the, like the jet line um, there, there's, there's just some that are absolutely just garbage, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think it's, you know, it's a shame because I think people look at these units as if they really are going to be the answer to their problems. It's like, I get both of these tools in a smaller footprint and 12 inches of jointing capacity. And it's like, well, yeah, if you can hold it, you know, if you can get it to hold its setting and calibrate properly. Um, but that article or that review is fantastic because it talks about maybe not in everyone's budget, but the units that cost like what, 20, 2,500 to 4,400. So they're more expensive, but they really are as good in terms of calibration and quality as separates would be only, it's only taking up one footprint. Um, so that would be one of the first things that I, I would look into because I, I can't give up <laughs> the ability to plane and joint things. Um, Can but, I add something about those planer joiners? Sure, sure. Um, just for the folks who want to check out, uh, you know, check out what Fine Woodworking's done more recently. You're right. We started off with the high end ones, but we also just did the lower end ones, and we found a couple gems in there. You'd be surprised. Oh, okay. I'll take a look at that. Yeah, take a look at that, and also, um, uh, you know, ultimately in woodworking, you're gonna need. Uh, jointer and the wider the better you know yeah. everyone it's sort of an uncomfortable truth you know an inconvenient truth yep. about, <laughs> yeah. about woodworking and so yeah you might pay two thousand dollars for one of the lower end ones that's still pretty good but you're getting a 12 inch wide jointer i mean that alone is 1500 bucks plus an industrial strength planer throw in another 500 and you can get a segmented cutter head have you guys used one of those yet I've uh, seen those and they, they, they definitely I – mean, we have a, a friend of the show actually who uh, purchased one and his response once I asked him how it went was just like – I'm like, dude, this is a family show. <laughs> Easy, pal. Easy. Oh, my God. That's unnatural I, I, what you're doing there. <laughs> I got one and um, one of the Grizzly ones, um, we actually reviewed it. One cool thing that happens is they ship us the tools and then we review them and then they're slightly used. So <laughs> Buy they'll, try to sell them. they'll try to sell them locally – um, we can't keep them, obviously, because of conflict of interest, but we can buy them at whatever rate they would sell them, slightly used. And uh, so we get them for like 70 cents on the dollar. And um, I got a really great deal on And holy crap. The thing about it is it's not just the, the cut quality is better, especially in uh, um, grit, uh, with wild grain, but the you know interlocked grain and curly stuff and everything. But what's amazing is it's carbide versus steel. So yeah. think of how long a carbide router bit or blade, uh, table saw blade lasts versus, you know, car, uh, versus a, the old steel table saw blades, how long it stays sharp. I've had the same, you know, the inserts have four sides on them. Mm -hmm. And I've had the same side facing up for a year and a half. And there's not a single nick. There's not a single anything. You know how quickly it's like two days into your new steel knives and there's one of those tracks down the board and you're like, geez, you yeah, know, totally. 
Anyway. I've got the same thing on, on my Powermatic planer, and I have the same situation as you, Asa. It's been almost two years, and I'm like, well, the good news is when I do have to, to do something, all I have to do is turn these little things 90 degrees, uh, and I'm done. But I haven't had to do that yet. It, they just stay sharp for a really long time. Yeah, I, I've um, been drooling over one for a while now. Maybe nice, maybe Matt. someday soon. You should do it. Of course, it's I have so to bribe cool. the neighbor it's to help me bring it down. Would you mill? You know? Yeah, totally. Um, another thing I wanted to suggest is um, again a little bit expensive, but I think it's a really good substitute for you know having the means to rip large panels and and tear down large panels, and that's a track saw. Um, you know, either the DeWalt model or a Festool model, um, just being able to cut that stuff down to size on the, the ground, maybe on some two by fours or some foam, uh, just opens up the playbook and think about how much space that tooling takes up. You hang the track on the wall, you put the, you put the saw back in a box and I mean, it's a great portable setup so you can deal with very large sheet goods that way and break them down and then use them on your other tools, uh, as long as you have that track saw in play. Clark, this is a killer topic. I'm so psyched you brought this up because <laughs> my mind is just leaping to one thing to another. The whole I forgot about the whole festival system of tools. The whole line, yeah. If you could if you have, you know, if you really want to go full on, you know, German um quality, you could by the way, Makita, uh, DeWall and Festool all make awesome track saws. You're right on with track saws for about five hundred bucks each. And you could really get away with not having a table saw and do everything with that, almost everything with that track saw. Just about, I think, everything. But throw in the domino. That's the missing part of it, though. If you don't have the domino, that's where the track saw starts to fall short because you you really don't have a great way to make, you know, good tight joinery. So you kind of need that component to finish it off. I'm I'm sorry, who said that? (laughs) machines. I'm sorry, what was that, Asa? Uh, sorry, I stepped on. Uh, I, I missed what Tom said. Or, or Matt, yeah, Matt's joke. Oh, Matt, sorry, Matt's Matt. jokes uh, fell That's flat. Right. I, I was just making a, a background noise, much like uh, Ed does on your show. So uh, continue what you were saying. I, I'm just being a uh, Matt. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Matt. I don't know where I got Tom. I think uh, Tom uh, Ivino probably from uh, yes, MWA. I was just hanging with Tom. So. Um, yeah, you put together that track saw and the domino, and pretty much you could make a house full of furniture um, with that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'll just leave it at that. That whole festival system is nuts, and you have those cool little sustainer, that stackable containers. And next thing you know, you want to add the sander. You want that wicked awesome uh, drill with the three heads on it. Yeah. And holy moly, that stuff's addictive, man. You go down that path and. Uh, like King Lear said, uh, this way uh, uh, there lies madness or something like that. (laughs) I mean, there's an argument to be made for it. Again, small space. All their stuff is meant to be portable. It's for, uh, you know, not necessarily meant as much for the shop as it is for the guy who's on the road or the gal who's on the road. Um, It's meant to be able to be picked up and thrown in the back of a truck. I mean, everything they design is is meant to be portable and lightweight and easy to cart around. So um, the most important thing, though, is the fact that it actually works. That's the thing. I mean, it can have all the bells and the whistles. Let's get serious. There's tools out there that are so shiny and have so many cool things. But for the majority of what they do, they're not so user-friendly where, you know, the the tracks on stuff, they are user-friendly. And it's insanely user-friendly. Yeah. All that, all that festival stuff. And while we're climbing up the income ladder here, <laughs> why, why don't we talk and go? And we've gone over to Europe. Why not stay over there and get yourself a five-function combo machine? Sit that in the middle of your shop, 
Those things are amazing. You get a sliding table saw, which will blow your mind. You could you you can drop a shaper in the back of it that works off the same sliding table for like cross grain work and everything. There's a planer and a jointer, and off the spindle or off the cutter head comes a mortising uh, uh, a chuck with an XYZ table that goes on the end. Stop right there in about a five foot by five foot space, you have an entire shop. Of course, you're going to have to go up to the six grand, eight grand, 10 grand, 12 grand. <laughs> this guy's well, the limit on that one. <laughs> well, leave it to the Europeans. I mean, look at their hinges. They're so versatile. You know, of course, their machines are going to be versatile too. Well, and their shops, uh, you know, they're not quite as uh, blessed with large spaces in the garages that we've got here. So they, they need to make a lot more and, and a lot less space. Right. I was looking. There's a lot of regulations too. I mean, we've talked with yeah. some of our European listeners, and some of the things that they'll describe, you're like, "Are you serious? They won't let you do what?" And so, obviously, they they have to have machines that overcome these issues, but at the same time, not eat up all that space. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, say goodbye to your data set. Yeah, exactly. exactly. We one thing I do want to recommend is, uh, and this is over at Fine Woodworking. I remember as we were talking about this a long time ago. Uh, well, it wasn't that long ago. It was issue one eighty one? Uh, a shop built around an island, and this was by Alan Devilibus. Yeah. Uh, space saving design improves work support, storage, and dust collection. I'll put links in the the show notes to the uh, the article if uh, people happen to have a uh, digital subscription, they can download the the PDF. But of course, if you don't, there is actually it looks like there's a video that goes along with it, so you can kind of see. Uh, what all it entails, and it's kind of neat because it's it's a nice garage space, and he really has everything compact in there, and still gets a ton of stuff done from the way it looks. So, cool. you know, as soon as we started talking about this, that article suddenly popped in my head, and I'm like, oh, I got to go find it. Nice. My favorite thing about that article is that it's a good plug for fine woodworking. Keep it coming. <laughs> hey, no problem. Let me work on this one. You guys talk some more. I'll see what else I can find. <laughs> yeah, Come up with some more, man. For articles. <laughs> All right. Well, actually, um, I'm looking at the time here. We should probably get ready to wrap this up. Normally, we have voicemails. Uh, unfortunately, Skype is doing something really weird where the voicemails are all cutting out every couple of seconds. So those would not have been fun to listen to. Um, I'm going to run into a couple of iTunes reviews here. We've got one from kpete 75 who says, yay, da awesome, to daddy, da awesome. Oh, that, well, that's da, who's to daddy. <laughs> I, don't, I, I might be mispronouncing those words. Um, the other one we have is another five-star review from Trav and Whit, who says, this is a perfect show to play in the background while I'm in my shop. Lots of good info here. If you love woodworking, oh, if you live woodworking, you'll be hooked. So thanks for that, Trav. Yeah, um, and Trav, I'm pretty sure if you love woodworking, you'll be hooked also. So it's either way. True that. So if you want to leave us a wonderful five-star review in iTunes, please go ahead and do that. You can leave us two, three, four one-star reviews, but we're not going to read those. Yeah, That's yeah, no, we're going to completely ignore them. It's a shame, but, uh, you know, we're kind of jerks like that. Um, we don't have to be professional. It's, it's right. We're cowboys. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so I think that just about does it for us. Uh, Asa, anything you want to say before we close out the show? No, I, I uh, other than I'd love to come on any time and it'd be really cool to come on sometime when we just, when you just line up a bunch of questions and, or maybe you could do, a sh- and I don't know how much you want to go down the final working road, but Another idea would be that we could talk about um, problems or, you know, things that problems people have with some fine woodworking articles, maybe where they're like, what I didn't get was this, what yeah. I didn't get was that there, you know, uh, there, I'm sh- you know, I know there are blind spots in any article. And uh, so that might be a theme, but I- I'd love to just come on and just answer um, 
help answer people's questions, hang out, whatever. I'd love to come back. Well, we we could have you on for the uh, the woodworking in America wrap up show, right? Yeah, we that wouldn't be awkward at all. <laughs> yeah, that one would be a little tough. <laughs> no, no, Wait, absolutely. Well, I think it's a great idea, and, and I agree. Like I said, we do get a lot of questions referencing things in in articles that are published, uh, and either people don't think that they can find the person who wrote it, or the or they just can't find the contact information. Um, it would be really cool to uh, to to kind of bridge that gap for you guys. Yeah, and uh, what? By the way, what do you think about? I mean, this is the first event we've ever done. Um, so we're brand new to it and we didn't, we wanted to make it a little different than anything that's out there. It's kind of a hybrid of Colonial Williamsburg and the Furniture mm-hmm. Society Conference probably. But, um, what do you guys think about it, uh, so far? Like what you know about it, the format and everything, what's you, do you, what, what's your feedback? I think it's great. And the thing is my, my experience with, you know, with conferences like this doesn't extend beyond woodworking in America. So that would be the natural thing that we're going to, to compare this to. Um, for me, it looks, it looks good. I mean, it looks like what people are going to want to go there to learn. It's a great way to connect with these, uh, folks that they may have heard their name in passing or read an article by this person may not have even known who wrote the article. Um, and it's a great way to connect with these people. So I'm interested to see, I mean, I wish I could attend, uh, that would give me a whole lot more perspective on it. Um, but a lot of times, you know, these things do come down to the execution and how the actual event itself goes on paper, on the website looks great. Yeah. We, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I 100%, I, I agree with that. Uh, the four, the, the way that it's laid out right now, how, you know, we talked about this when you're on my show, uh, the, the, the days, everybody's going to end up going through the same classes. Everybody's going to have an opportunity to attend the same classes. The only time where there might be a little bit different is kind of the quote unquote hands-on area. Uh, but I think the fact that there isn't like this rush to run from one to the other mm. or walk away with that feeling of emptiness, like, Oh man, I can't believe I missed this particular class or something. I, I, I really like that that format. I like the idea of that. So uh, I, I really, I'm hoping I can make it myself. But at this point, it's looking like I'm not. But I'm definitely looking forward to get feedback from everybody on this. And I have a feeling already that the feedback is going to be the type of thing where it's going to really uh, make me feel very jealous and maybe hate some other people. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, we we went with that format where it's like everyone rotates. Uh, through the same stuff the first two days and then the last day is all elective so there is some you pick it you know on the last day but we'll learn from it and we'll you know uh, we'll learn from it and we'll we'll take the we'll take all the feedback we can get and uh, I hope to see one of you guys you know we do have a couple free passes for influential people (laughs) out there who are going to block from the show so we'll make sure to pass it on to them I mean oh meet us oh thank you (laughs) yeah I was actually talking about you two Oh, we were confused for a minute there. Um, Well, you know, at the very least, uh, whenever we have these events, we always invite people who did go, even if we couldn't make it, to leave us a voicemail or or maybe even someone, if one of our fellow bloggers goes, we'd be more than happy to have them come on and just talk about their impressions of the show um, afterwards, uh, sort of a wrap-up show, so we can definitely do that. Um, All right, well, with that, I want to thank our special guest, Asa. Thank you for coming on the show. We're we're glad we are able to clear the air a little bit, and uh, we really look forward to working with you guys a little closer as time goes on. we got to find some really great ways to work together um, more than we have in the past. Sure thing. thing. I have an idea, and we're just going to go ahead. I'll I'll leave this with you. We'll just end the show, but what do you think about a guest editor? We'll come in, we'll do the magazine for you, just (laughs) once, and we'll see what happens. Just just chew on it It'll be fine, I swear. We'll we'll do a great job. That sounds great. Okay. How do you guys feel about nudity? Is that that okay? (laughs) Too much? 
most of the experts, <laughs> most of the so-called experts in the magazine, you would not want to see them naked. <laughs> okay, they don't want to see the Cowboys naked either. Trust me. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Awesome. Great show. Thanks, everybody, for uh, hanging out with us in the chat room, and we will catch you next time. See ya. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.